What would you like to do with the next hour? You could exercise, make a meal, eat, pray, take a nap, read a book, prepare for a meeting. The possibilities are virtually endless. You could even listen to a couple of great course lectures from the teaching company. But you can't do them all. You might like to do them all, but you can't. You've got to prioritize. Individually and collectively, because of scarcity, we've got to prioritize with the rest of our resources, too. The problem is that almost all choices involve trade-offs. If you get more of one thing, you generally must get less of another thing. Nobel laureate Milton Friedman popularized a wonderful way of summarizing the fact that choices involve trade-offs. He said, there's no such thing as a free lunch. No such thing as a free lunch. Economists, therefore, point out that the cost of something is its opportunity cost. The best other thing that you could have gotten with your resources. What you sacrifice to get it. And you just about always sacrifice something. So, how do people make their choices? Economists generally assume that people are rational utility maximizers, and they use utility as a synonym for welfare or well-being. Rational maximizers, in the words of Nobel laureate Joseph Stiglitz, act in a consistent manner with a reasonably well-defined notion of what they like and what their objectives are, and with a reasonable understanding of how to attain those objectives. Economists assume, therefore, that people reason. In practice, this generally means that when they make a decision, people implicitly or explicitly weigh the expected cost versus the expected benefit of the action. And are you ready for something really radical? If they think the expected benefit is greater than the expected cost, they do it. But if they think the expected cost is greater than the expected benefit, then they don't do it. This is the working assumption that I have about almost all the other people in the world. And to me, it's hard to think of a good general alternative. And I'm not the only person with this assumption. A poll of professional economists asked whether or not they agreed with the proposition that individuals are rational utility maximizers. And the vast majority, 70% of the economists, agreed with that statement. Only 13% disagreed. The rest were neutral. The bottom line is that most economists think that most people act as rational maximizers most of the time. And our whole analytical toolkit is framed by this approach. Economists, in other words, give regular people, like you, me, your aunt, your neighbor, the lady who cuts your hair, or the guy who changes your oil, credit for being capable of thinking successfully about what's in their own self-interest. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to do this. But rocket scientists can do it, too. The rationality assumption doesn't mean that economists approve of all, or even most, individuals' actions. The assumption simply says that people are pretty good at weighing costs versus benefits from their own point of view. Now, let's dig deeper into how people make their decisions, how they weigh costs and benefits. It turns out that many perhaps most decisions, are made on the margin. That is, their questions about whether or not one should do a little bit more or a little less of something. We make marginal decisions, a little more or a little less, all the time. And the rational maximizer assumption implies that we often favor of doing more if we expect the 
extra benefits of the actions to exceed the extra cost. Here's a situation we've probably all faced. It's a cold day, you wake up to a chilly house and you think, what temperature should I set the thermostat to? You begin to click up the thermostat setting one degree at a time. Where should you stop? No one I know would stop at, say, 25 degrees Fahrenheit. At that temperature, your house would be an icebox and your pipes might burst. The marginal benefit of extra heat is huge at such temperatures. The extra cost of warming the place up past the freezing mark is pretty low in comparison. As the house gets warmer, you feel more comfortable. First, you can take off your winter coat, and then your sweater, and then your shoes and socks. If you're like most people, as the temperature rises higher and higher, the extra benefit from another degree gets lower and lower. Warming the place up two degrees from 68 to 70 probably gives you a greater increase in satisfaction than.